Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by the Riley Decker Companies. The right decision. For more information, go to RileyDecker.com. In the business world and sports world, we never know where the journey is going to take us. For Dylan McCullough, his football journey has led him to answer a lifelong question. Who and where is my father? As told by Bob Lee in the ESPN E60 special, this is by far one of the most remarkable and inspiring stories in sports history and history itself. With that said, it's an honor to have you on the Underdog Podcast, Dylan. Thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it, man. And let's get after it. Let's make it happen. Uh, I mean, it's no secret, uh, you know, the, the story that we've seen on ESPN. And you're a man who has definitely been the epitome of overcoming adversity. Uh, and I don't even know if you knew it was really adversity, uh, you know, early on. And uh, but as, as we found, as we'll find out that, you know, you definitely, like I said, um, are the definition of overcoming it. So want to go back to, you know, 1972, you were born um, in Pennsylvania and you were immediately put up for adoption um, and ultimately found yourself with a new family in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, just your early, early years uh, in Youngstown, Ohio? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's all I know. So, I mean, you know, man, just growing up and, you know, man, mom, you know, working hard, you know, was, you know ultimately a single mom after, um, you know, my adoptive father, um, you know, they separated, you know, ultimately divorced, you know, maybe a year, a couple of years after I, you know, was adopted. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, it was rough, you know, but I mean, you know, a, a great spiritual foundation, um, you know, around a bunch of people that care, you know, um, like it, like anybody or like any place, you know, people had imperfections, you know, and things that you wish were better. But at the end of the day, I guess when I look back, you know, those are some of the things that made me who I am. But, you know, just enjoyed it, man. You know, spending time with my brother and neighborhood, you know, man, just, you know, I thought I had a, you know, a decent, a better than decent upbringing for sure, you know, with some hiccups along the way. But, man, it was, you know, made me who I am. And for those who who may not be familiar, you know, the Youngstown it, it can be is a rough it's a rough part of town. We'll, we'll just call it what it is. You know, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. we know the rich history of you know the streets of, of Youngstown, and you know through that you were able to find an avenue um, that ultimately has led you led you out of uh, Youngstown, which was picking up a football, um, you know, early on and had some success in high school. Uh, you know, at, at uh, you know at the running back position. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what football meant for you as, as an early young man. Man, it, it was everything. You know, it was, it was that ultimate escape. You know, I mean, just with the things that's going on in Youngstown, I mean, they're pretty well documented. And, you know, you can even, you know, hyper-focus in on some of the specific people in specific areas. It was even a little bit more rough. So, you know, I've I, I seen a lot of things and was around a lot of things that, you know, I wouldn't want my kids to have to experience, that's for sure. Um, but as far as the football part, you know, it definitely was a was an escape. Um, it, you know, been doing some of these Zoom um, presentations with other running back groups, you know, around the country. And, and the interesting thing, just when I'm when I'm talking to them, just told them, 
kind of the pivotal point for me. And I think in just who I am and what some of my makeup was as far as always working hard, different things like that was in high school. It was my sophomore year. And um, I'm behind, you know, I'm the, a backup running back. I might be maybe probably third string. You know, I'm just a little guy out there, probably 140 pounds or something like that. And um, I had, it was like I, I came to a point where I had to make a decision. I said, man, I need to do something. I'm just a guy on the team right now. I said, I need to do something that I can close the gap on the guy ahead of me and or, you know, get myself into a positive light with the coaches. And at that point, it was just working hard, man. I said, you know what? Everything I do, I'm just going to finish everything down the field. I'm going to run 80 yards, score touchdowns. In practice, I'm just going to do everything like it's a full game. So the guys used to look at me like I was crazy. Like, man, what is this guy doing? This is, what is he doing? So initially, it started as a gimmick. Like, I'm going to just do it, man, and just see how people respond. And the more I did it, it just became, like, ingrained in me. That's just who I am. That's just kind of how I operate. So, you know, it's funny when I talk to some of the guys, you know, that I've been having meetings and everything with, that's come up as something that, hey, you know, even when I'm evaluating guys, I say, what's something that I can hang? When I'm evaluating players, I say, what if I was to have that guy in coaching, what can I hang my hat on as far as what he does? And for me, it was work ethic initially. And then just everything else spider from there. So just to jump in, so just kind of because I, I focus ultra focused and and I don't know how it's hard. It's the best documentary. Like it, identity is incredible. So we got to do it justice. But the one thing that wasn't touched upon was that adverse moment. Um, so when you were at that sophomore and you're back up running back at that 140 pounds, did you have the vision that you wanted to play college ball at that point, but you were ultra focused on just winning the high school varsity job? Or how did you get keep climbing up the ranks through high school? Was it like, hey, I, I want to play Division One football in college, and that, but I knew I have to get to the varsity starting spot? Or what was your mentality at that point? The mentality was, and it's interesting because it'll get touched on here later on also, was I just didn't want any regrets. I was around, like all of us, sure. you know, but I was – but in – in Youngstown, I was around so many guys, whether it be friends, family, et cetera, who talked about what could have happened if I did this or what would have happened if I this, if I that. And for me, it was always the fear of regret. That was like something that just, you know, just drove me, especially in football, which is something I love. I said, man, I just don't want to regret the time that I'm out here. And like I said, up to that point, yeah, everybody was good in peewee league. Everybody was good in middle school, when you get to high school, it starts to separate itself a little bit. And I said, man, I need to make a decision that I don't want to have any regrets when, when this whole thing is over. So I'm going to give everything I have while I'm here. I'm telling you going to, going to the league, man, forget that. I wouldn't even thinking about that. <laughs> sure. Going, going to college. Nah, at that point going like, I'm going to play D one. No thought of that. My only thought was, is gaining the respect of my coaches and the guys that I play with more importantly, showing myself, that I'm not going that I'm going to embrace this moment and give everything I have. Sure. So, I will I'm going to admit this to you when I first reached out um and just watching video like you, if anybody wants to go on YouTube and just watch there's so much film of you at, at <laughs> practicing drills it's like it's crazy. But like you're so intense and I was like, man, like I don't know how this guy's going to be on the podcast. Like I like he may just come on and just just lay into us. But then I saw you crack a few smiles in some interviews. I was like, okay, we're good. We're good. So, uh and, and I think that just goes back to, you know, the work ethic and the intensity that you I think you probably that light went off as a sophomore and that's really where that started. So, fast forwarding a little bit as documented, you know, um you get an opportunity 
uh, to go to Miami University, like a lot of kids who are recruited, a coach comes to the school. Um, well, he just didn't know. come. He didn't just didn't come. He had a red uh, what, Mercedes, Coach Sherman Smith, Andy Apparet, yeah. Andy Apparet, and you were you saw it outside the classroom. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, my, my you know, finally, ultimately, you know, uh, my senior year, I start. You know, so my sophomore year, I still was on the bench. My my, my junior year, I still was on the bench. You know, I was writing letters to University of Indianapolis and Butler. I mean, I was, that's back when we hand wrote, I was hand, I probably hand wrote around 10 letters to schools. Um, I was filling out paperwork, enrolling to the Navy. You know, that kind of upset my mom. Um, Cause I was just like, look, I got, I'm getting out of Youngstown. I don't care what I got to do. I'm getting out of Youngstown. So I had a great senior year. And then, um, you know, after the season was over, we're sitting in the English class and we look down and we see the, you see this Mercedes, the candy apple red Mercedes, candy apple red Mercedes with gold rims on it. And we don't see who get out. We just see the car. Like, wow, we're looking down from the third floor. And then, like, I'm sitting in class. I'm in the English. And a pink, they sent, like, a pink slip. And they said, you know, you need to come down to the office. So I went down to the office. And I swear it's like a movie, man, when I think back on it now. Even back then. You right. know, all, all the way up until I found out who my dad was. You still look at that moment because – that's the school I went to. So you always think about, you know, you know, how that initial interaction was. So, you know, I walked in and my, you know, Coach Smith at that time, he was facing towards my, uh, my high school. So his back was to me. And then he turned around, you know, and he walked up and said, you know, said, Hey, how you doing? I'm, you know, Coach Smith running back coach at Miami. And just like, bang, it's like almost a connect right there, you know? So I mean, it, it it was surreal, man. It was crazy. Wow, that's that's such a cool story. <laughs> no, doubt. and I'm I'm trying to think back. Like our coaches at Miami were driving like car, like, oh, yeah, like company like, cars. Let's now, not and, talk about the NCAA back and then. Give give <laughs> give Sherman some some Coach Smith some credit. I mean, that's that's yeah. awesome that he invested in the. <laughs> Because I mean, all the high school crews are like, man, this guy's awesome. Like Gold rolling down. up in a cool car. He seems like a yeah. great guy. I've never met him, but the way he talks and the way he's mentored you, you know, throughout the years, just as a player and then as a coach. I mean, uh, anyway, that I thought that was just such a unique story. Like talking about high school or college coaches coming to high schools and seeing uh, how he just kind of rolled up and seeing that actually car on the documentary. I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> how would you not, you know, how would you not commit to that? Well, how about this? The, the car, and they didn't say, of course, there was no reason to say this on the documentary. That car he bought from the person who became Sir Mix-a-Lot. Whoa. Baby got back. Yeah. That is, so the, there, there so you go. I don't know the guy's real name, but that's who my dad told me. I forget, but that's, yeah, that's, that's who he got. That's who he bought the car from. Dude, this story just keeps getting crazier, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's, let's might keep unveiling stuff here. <laughs> let's keep it moving. So you ultimately get to Miami University, man, and uh, you become you do become a standout uh, running back. You, you, you set records, um, become the all-time leading rusher uh, in school history and conference history until Travis Prentice, of course, comes along. All due respect. Um, but throughout that, man, um, Coach Smith was – like most of us had was a mentor to you that one coach who was there for you who taught you how to be a man and how to you know find responsibility um can you talk about your relationship with him as you went through college and and how he was able to be that you know that father figure for you yeah you know the thing is um you know as indicated on the on all of the other previous conversations about this he coached me through my freshman year and then he left you know he went to um university of illinois but, you know, the time that he was there, 
I mean, was strong. It laid that foundation for, you know, uh, um, being responsible, working hard, you know, and for me, you know, just he kind of shepherded me in as a guy who was pretty quiet, kind of reserved. I didn't trust people. You know, I remember, you know, guys used to make fun like that first year. I mean, I wouldn't even, I was just nodding my head to guys, you know, I just worked, you know, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't trying to be, I just worked and was trying to handle my business and, and, and just get by, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't trying to make friends and, and, you know, do all this other kind of stuff. And I had friends, but I'm just saying, just my interaction was a little bit different because of where I was coming from. But, um, so coach Smith, man, he, he, he was great. Um, obviously, you know, obviously we stayed in contact throughout, um, even after he left Miami, we stayed in contact But the thing that I'm forever grateful for, and they didn't have to follow through on it when he left, you know, he made the statement, you know, and coaches kept repeating this to me, of course, Hey, coach Smith was strong in saying, give you a chance to play running back, you know, in spring ball of my freshman year, because I mean, they had two guys that were all league, Terry Carter, and uh, Kevin Ellerby. I mean, these guys are just lit it up the year I read shirt, I read shirt. So, you know, I came in, I remember coach Hap saying, Hey man, we're going to take you on defense. If you came, if you can't break the lineup, you know I mean? We got two guys that was all league. So I just went to that spring and beat everybody out. It was a starter for the next four years. Yeah, and, and a starter and a stud at that. So um, I was looking at some of your old Miami tape, and I'm like, it's just your different level. Like that was incredible. Like in uh, your career at Miami, and we're both Miami football alums, and appreciate all the things you've done. What has I think from a selfish question for me and probably both of us is what has Miami that those years at in Oxford and playing football at Miami and getting that education done for you? Man, it's done a whole lot. You know, what I mean, just. Just, I'm telling you, to me, that was the ultimate badge of honor, the football stuff. Everything that happened with football for me was bonus. Mm-hmm. Just because I never looked at, I didn't see that unfolding like that. You know what I mean? You're talking about it went to my senior year. Game two, game three, that I even had a, a legitimate opportunity at running back. You know, even though I was a starter, they still was trying to groom some other dude. And then he wasn't doing good. One game they left me in and I ran for 200 yards. And they said, okay, let's not ever take this dude out again. You know, so that's how that went. I mean, if this guy would have had a good game that game, I would have been a part-time guy the remainder of the year. And probably this never happened because I had no recruiting action at all going on until almost the end of my senior year. You know, so, um, you know, the Miami Foundation, being able to go to Miami, I mean, was the ultimate for me because I knew it was going to be a great education. Um, You know, the the, um, infrastructure they had there, you know, Darcy Shriver, all those guys, man. Coach Walker, Coach Dalrymple, obviously uh, my dad. I mean, just helped me get through that. You know, introverted kid who who needed some help and needed you know some additional guidance. Man, they were there for me. So man, I'm forever um, indebted to Miami for just what they did for me. You know, as you know, coming from high school and then the product when I came out of there, I felt like I was ten times better as a person by the time I came out of Miami. Sure, and then we'll shortly touch upon kind of that and kind of transitioning to the Bengals, right? Another, once again, watching these preseason tapes and saying, wow, look at this guy. And then, unfortunately, you get hurt, right? Yep, kind of walk yep. us through. I mean, that's a huge adverse point. Like, hey, you're having a over and over and over a, a Hall of Fame career at Miami and then, you know, go into the Bengals and then all of a sudden you're lighting it up and then boom. Uh, well, walk us through that. To me, it was, all of these situations of microcosm are just what I've been going through is like every single time. So you think you built up some chips in high school. Man, I'm, I, you know, was all, you know, all world, whatever in high school by the time it was over. 
go to Miami, I'm last on the depth chart. You know, I'm giving ultimatums for why you may not play the running back position. Build up, have a phenomenal career at Miami, you know, undeniably. And four years start, nobody that's gonna be hard to beat. Four years starter, four year leading rusher. That's that's something. You know, broke all these records, come out of there and have great workouts. I mean, it ain't like, well, you when you went you had workouts, they weren't good. No, they all were good. <laughs> Every single one of them was real good. You know, and then not get drafted. You know, go as a free agent to the Bengals and starting right back at the bottom, dead last again. You know, so it's always, you know, you feel like you don't have respect, but you know, that same that that tenth grade circumstance kicked in and said, you know what, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing and rose up the depth chart again when I got to the Bengals and was right where I wanted to be, minus a minute, some change left in that last preseason game. So, I mean, it's, you know, it was it, it was great. Um, it is great. And I mean, obviously, I came back from that. I imagine we may keep talking about that. But, you know, I felt like, you know, going with that fear of regret, I felt like if everything would have ended after that last preseason game, I had no regrets about my career because nobody could say, that I didn't earn their respect and I didn't put out every time I was out there. Yeah. And just talk about, think about that, Calvin, the underdog at high school in life, we'll talk, but just high school, bottom of the depth chart, work his way up. College, like he said, work his way up. Undrafted, work his way up. So, I mean, that, it just, as I've learned about our guests, there's a reason why you are where you are. And I think that just, I mean, I, I can imagine we'll talk about some of your players, but how you've recruited and built and developed players. I mean, like I said, your your body of work and what you've overcome, as in my opinion, what we call an underdog, overcoming adversity to sustain success. I mean, just in the in the playing stuff, let alone the life. But that's that's awesome, man. That's that's just constantly, you know, being at the bottom and grinding your way to the top. I mean, it just shows. And I think the coaching, right, going back to a little bit of that, starting back because you were in high school, to my understanding, and then you got into IU, and then all of a sudden, you've scaled that as well, right? Yeah. I mean, so the, the theme kicked back in again. So, you know, you went through, obviously when I, after the Bengals, I went to the Eagles, uh, blew my knee out again, mm-hmm. came back, went to Winnipeg in, in the Canadian league, played there two, two seasons, second season really lit it up in the middle of that second season, blew my knee out. Didn't know played nine more games with a torn left ACL. Mm was supposed to resign with the Bengals, came back, went through the whole process. They said, you're coming back. I went to the physical, and the guy, the guy got on my left, my left leg, and he said, man, your ACL is torn. I don't even need to do an MRI. He said, it's torn. And I said, well, that's something. I just played a whole season with it, with that torn. Um, after that, had surgery, came back. Three ACLs, two on my right, one on my left. And then I went to the XFL, the first incarnation of the XFL. What was your and name? And after <laughs> I had no, I didn't do that. Go okay. He hate me. It wasn't he hate me? <laughs> yeah, I didn't go there. Okay, sorry about that. But, but I actually, you know, I told my, um, I told the coach. I said, man, now I'm done. I said it was on my terms. I came back and played after all of these things, and I think that's just how I was wired. Um, and I asked. I said, look, I'm done. I, I, it's, it's, I don't, I don't deal what I needed to do in, in, in this active football life. Went to education. Started just as a teacher. Two years later, was the the athletic director, another year later, I was the principal, you know, so even in that field kind of grinded up. And then that, that took me into the football world at Miami where I was a qual- I'm a 37, 38 year old quality control guy, you know? So like super, the lowest of I'm like, man, you know, running around, gopher and doing it. And it's my school. You know, I'm like, wow, I'm going to go my picture right there, but Hey, I got to just do what I got to do. 
you know, and then um, after that season, moved to the running back coach. And um, maybe a month later, I went to Indiana. <laughs> Indiana pulled me up out of there. Wow, yeah, and I we were talking about before this us meeting there, and can you kind of talk about? And I was talking with uh, one of your former um, coaches, Chris Shula at IU, kind of what Kevin Wilson, um, you know, has meant to you, giving you that chance, obviously, get to IU and kind of keep your career going. Is that you know, obviously, a big step going from Miami again, then to IU, and then on fourth? Yeah, it was huge. You know. Um, and, and you and I, I tell all the guys that I encounter, whether it be the guys in my current running back room or the high school kids that I was coaching, or college guys, I said, you just never know who's paying attention and who 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 you can who you're impacting one way or another, you know, and the impression that you're making. The first the job I had at the school where I ultimately came principal, the guy there was a professor at Miami. He wasn't my professor, he was a professor. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the thing is, you know, I'd be the first to say I wouldn't know, but I never was on the dean's list. So he didn't know of me because of my great academic <laughs> acumen, you know, but <laughs> he said, hey, man, he said you were respected amongst the, the professors at Miami because everybody knew who you were, but you didn't walk around broadcasting that. You just went to class, sat down, did your work, you know, did what you had to do. You were respectful of what was going on in that process. And I think that's even with with football, you know. I mean, coaches coach a lot of guys. That don't mean they hire every guy to coach. You know? right. So, you know, even with Coach Wilson, I think Coach Wilson seeing what I was about as a player, uh, as a person, by no means any of us aren't perfect. But at the end of the day, man, he, he felt good about, you know, giving me that opportunity. So um, I had talked to, I talked to Coach Wilson. And Coach Wilson's a hard dude, man. Yeah, you yeah, know? that's what I've heard. He was no joke. <laughs> Coach, Coach Wilson ain't no joke. You know, so I remember we didn't even talk a lot when I was in college. We mm-hmm. really did. We didn't talk a lot, you know. Um, I ain't talked to a whole lot of people. We didn't talk a whole lot. Um, when I got done with college and I was in the high school, he recruited some players from my from the high school where I was at. And um, and I remember the last conversation. This is like in 2004. He came through and he said, we were walking out. I was walking him out to his car. And he turned around. He said, man, he said, you need to get in coaching. He said, the way I'm looking at you, how you just – interacting with these guys and, 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 and people responding. You said, man, you'd be a great coach. I didn't talk to coach Wilson again. I didn't talk to coach Wilson again until he got the IU job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're talking about seven, eight years later, whatever it was, seven years later. Right. He called, he called, he said, man, I didn't want to make this call. <laughs> he said, but, um, you know, I think I might, you know, I, I might be interested in having you come up here and, and coach at IU. Yeah, that's great. And then only did you go and coach, you coached, bring in Tevin Coleman, right, and Jordan Howard, to name a few guys, and and uh, you're bringing in just like your dad and Coach Smith. Uh, I don't know if you're rolling around in that uh, candy red uh, Mercedes, but you're doing something right. So you bring yeah, in some guys and developing them. It's awesome. Yeah, and you and you and you know the interesting part when you think back, well, you know, ultimately when I find out, you know, who my did Coach Smith is my dad. And then you look at even how I recruit, you know, and just it just kind of just it's just unbelievable, man. There's so many different ripples when you look at this because I never got into this to be in coaching. I didn't, but that wasn't my goal. I'm gonna tell you that right now. My goal was not to coach. You know, when I went to that high school, they assumed this guy played for the Bengals, he gonna coach. I never even asked. I never even said, I'm look, I'm coaching ball. I'm like, dang, I guess I'm coaching. I, I didn't think about coaching, you know, let alone going into college, et cetera. So 
you know, it was something I kind of fell into, but the way that I dealt with guys and being respectful to them, et cetera, I mean, it mirrored right up with what my dad did, not even knowing, not mm-hmm. not even having any idea, just forming those relationships and getting the most out of guys. So, yeah, you know, being able to recruit Tevin Coleman. I mean, we only won one game prior to recruiting him. This guy had a bunch of – he got a, he had a whole lot of options now, you know, but just the relationship with him and his dad, you know, and the trust that was built, you know, and, man, he came and had a you know, great career and then just continuing on with Jordan – you know, Divine Redding and Stephen Houston, even before that, you know, a bunch of guys who, who went, you know, had NFL shots and or, you know, played several years in the NFL. Now, we had a guy on, uh, we just interviewed a guy named Dante Wright, Miami guy. He's a coach, uh, coaching linebackers, linebackers at West Virginia now. Um, and one thing, you know, he didn't have a father, you know, growing up and whatnot. And one thing, one of the reasons he said he coaches is because he wants to be that father figure for a lot of the guys and listening to some of your, you know, different uh, interviews and whatnot, you said you initially uh, wanted, you know, enjoy the portion, the part about motivating guys and building um, character, but then embracing everything that comes with it, um, with the development on and off the field. You know, obviously you can develop guys in college and whatnot as they're still 18 to 22, but as you've gotten into the NFL, how have you been able to still groom and, and motivate those guys um, with your style of coaching and, and who you are as a person? Man, I'm telling you, it's been great. I, I've been, you know, I, I was talking to a, gr- a running back group, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Might have been, uh, might have been Utah's guys or somebody like that. But somebody asked, what's the difference? What's been the difference? There's been no difference for me because I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm not going to change who I am, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I'm a, a personable person. I'm somebody who, who gets to know his guys. I'm somebody who respects his players, et cetera. Um, and so I haven't changed my style whatsoever. And the guys really embrace that. They love that. Man, these, these, these guys, man, all oh, these guys, millionaires, they, man, these guys love, they love that. They love having somebody who, you know, have those conversations with them, you know, have those sidebar conversations with them. We may talk, start meetings. We just talking about life. I'll tell them something to happen with my sons or whatever. So I'm always, you know, you know, you want to keep their attention. You know, and yeah, if I did none of that, these guys, they paid to, to give their attention. I get that. But they like that added, that, that added part of the relationship. And, hey, man, our coach is cool with us. Yeah, he demanding. We know this is a, you know, th- this is a multi-billion dollar business. We know that. But at the end of the day, shoot, man, we're going to even give a, a little bit extra than we normally would, although we're giving everything we got because of how our coach treats us. The guy's respectful to us, man. He got our best interest in mind. So we're going to do everything we can, not only for ourselves to shine and our team to shine, but for our coach to shine. And, and not only to mention, I think we didn't even mention this up front, Super Bowl champion. Congratulations yes, for the Kansas yes. City Chiefs. Come on, Mr. Black. You, is the, you, forgot, is, is, you forgot to I, answer. I, I, hey, he's I a Super it, Bowl I, champion. I had it at the end. I was going, you know, yeah, I was we're, going, we're 25 minutes in and you're, <laughs> we're just dropping. He's a Super Bowl champ. He's so, a humble guy. He is a humble guy. <laughs> but, um, he's a humble killer, we should say. To go off of that, I mean, uh, I think a lot of people assume would be curious of what the DNA of that team, right? We always talk about a championship caliber team. There's more than just talent, right? There's culture, there's discipline, there, there's other aspects. Can you kind of touch upon what helped you guys and what made you that group special to win the Super Bowl last year? Well, I mean, you know, it starts, you know, up, you know, what, you know, from the front office down, mm-hmm. you know, man, Clark Hunt and, and, and his family. I mean, those guys lay a great foundation for Coach Reed, and Brett Beach, and all those guys to be successful, you know. Um, obviously, with Coach Reed, 
I mean, just just a calm demeanor, professional. I mean, just just a guy you like being around. You know what I'm saying? You really do. I mean, you like being around. I mean, he's a fun guy, you know. Um, but obviously very detail-oriented. He got a plan. It's very clear, you know. The players respect it. I think, and they res- I think the players respect him for his overall body of work, but even his approach, you know, I mean, his approach is not a condescending. He ain't putting guys down. He ain't cursing guys out. I mean, he he's he's matter of fact. Um, um, his standards are high, you know, and he wants you to be responsible and accountable accountable for getting things done. So that did, you know, start with the head coach, and then we got. I mean, the coach's staff is unbelievable. <laughs> you know, there's some guys, man. You know, I sit there, I'm, I'm learning every day around these dudes. So, you know, I always felt personally, I felt strong with the interpersonal part of building guys. But now some of the more technical aspects and the terminology and different things, when you immersed in the NFL, you know, on an NFL level, you have no choice but to learn that because that's all you're doing. Sure. You know, outside of, you know, when you interacting with your guys. So um, a championship DNA was definitely you know, put in place um, starting in 2000. It's been in place, but I got there in 2018. We felt like we should have jumped it off then, mm-hmm. you know. And, but, you know, when we um, when we hit, hit a little snag at the end of that season, that propelled us um, through this past season. Sure. And as being a former quarterback myself, I got to ask, Patrick Mahomes, is he always throwing like crazy passes, arm angles in practice too? I mean, you get to sit back <laughs> there and watch this guy. What, what's, what's the deal? What I mean, this guy is incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Pat, Pat is fun to be around, man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, super knowledgeable, man. Down to earth. What you see on TV is is real. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable, guys. I mean, just you just like being around, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he work on a little bit of everything. You sure. know, it ain't you know the stuff he does. It ain't the first time you see it. I mean, just like anything, he he work on some things. So yeah, he, he awesome. got a, he got a lot more up his sleeve too. But it's been some good stuff. <laughs> Can't wait to see what's coming. So. <sighs> I think we still need to kind of do your story justice because I know we started kind of going down the path of it, and not everyone's gonna. Yeah, my ADD. Sit down. You're saying I have bad ADD. <laughs> That's what he says. I go on these no, tangents, dealing. I, I, I struggle. So let's bring it back. But let's the great, but here. the great part is, again, I know we we love to talk about, you know, like as I mentioned, the philosophies that you have as a coach and the core values and the things you're able to instill in your players. Um, so you know, you went through the IU, you know, you went through the college ranks, and, and obviously have made your way into the NFL ranks and have had have been very successful but and you've alluded to it but can you take us back to 2000 and I believe 17 because up until this point you still don't know who your biological father is for the listeners so I know we kind of went off on a tangent but that's still a key piece that I think uh is I mean what makes your story to be the most amazing thing that I've probably ever heard yeah so um you know I'd always wondered who my biological parents were you know i'd always wondered that you know what i did is i did a, a, a real good job of kind of squashing it down you know um and just kind of keeping it to myself as i started having children you know go to the hospital and, hey you don't want family background i'm like man i don't have none so it was like you know I, I didn't have any answers so the more that came up the more i became very interested in that um, actually, when I got to Indiana, I kind of started the beginning process of looking, um, you know, made no headway, a couple snags here and there, didn't, you know, and um, what happened is in Pennsylvania, there was a, a house bill to open, uh, unseal uh, adoption records. It was in the process. So that brings us to 2017, where as soon as I got to USC, 
I got the USC job. As soon as I moved out there, um, I got online. I'm just on my phone and um, I just put in that house bill and it showed it that passed. It had just passed. I'm like, oh, shoot. So then I called Pens- you know, Pennsylvania and I talked to them before. And they told me we can't do nothing for you because the records are sealed. So now I'm showing them this thing is open. I called them and they said, yeah, it's, you know, this thing passed. I was like, great. I, I want my stuff. <laughs> and they said, well, hold up. You got to understand how, how this process worked. I mean, just because the house bill passed, it don't start today. There's a process before everything rolls up. And the, and the person told me, she said, you can go ahead. She said, now the paperwork to request is online now. She said, go ahead and fill out that paperwork and um, send everything in. She said, as soon as everything is open, she said, you know, your paperwork will be in here and we'll get it to you. So that was in March 2017. I didn't think about it again because I was just moving into my house, starting spring ball. I mean, I'm in a new, I'm in Los Angeles, a bunch of stuff going on. I didn't think about it again until November, whatever, November 13th, 14th, near the end of November. And I just was in the office and I said, I just said to myself, I'm walking in my office. I said, man, I wonder what's going on with this adoption paperwork. So I called up there. I called to the lady who I talked to in March. Nobody answered. I said, okay, I ain't thinking nothing about it. I kept on going on with my day. When I got home that night, the paper was there. It came in the mail. It came that night. So I opened it up. And that's where everything started. I seen, um, you know, my biological mom, you know, her name. And I said, man, and, and everything just kind of took off from there. Yeah, because your name was what, John Kenneth Briggs? John, yep, John Kenneth Briggs. So uh, an interesting part was, and this was right before I took the Miami job, my adoptive mom, she called me and she said, hey, she had always asked every several years, whatever, you know, hey, are you, you know, I support you if you wanted to find your biological. And I said, um, I, I say, yeah, I'm fine. It wasn't like pressing like life or death for me at that moment. I was always interested, but I just had a lot going on at that moment when she called me. And then she said, um, she said, yeah, the, she had talked about something that happened to the lawyer in Youngstown who did the adoption. And so I said, okay, man, she seemed like she had a lot to say. I said, well, all right, tell me what you know. I mean, I'm 30. This is late. You know, it ain't like I was 16. I'm 37, 38 years old. And she said, well, you were at an orphanage. I said, I never knew that. (laughs) I never knew that. She said, yeah, you were in an orphanage. And she said, and the nuns there called you baby John. Hmm. So that was an ongoing joke. Seriously. I laughed about it. I said, why? She said, I don't know. Maybe they just picked the name out of the Bible or something. So it wasn't a joke, but it was like something we would laugh at. Me and my my wife and my sons, I would just, I kind of made light of the whole baby John thing. Like, what's that? Where'd that come from? Until I seen that paper. And then I said, oh, they were just calling me my name. <laughs> wow. So you so you meet your mom and then she obviously uh and we'll, I know we're we're getting low on time <laughs> here, but you meet your mom um via Facebook and then you ultimately ask her the question of who's your dad and yep. and, and she yeah, tells she blew you blew me away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I, I asked her, she I went through, I said, you know, how did you get to Pennsylvania? She told me all of that. I'm like, man, I said, I got any brothers and sisters. She said, No. I said, well, in Youngstown, I would have known who, who they are because Youngstown's not that big. I said, Well, shoot. Who's my dad? There's no way in the world I thought she was going to say, she said, your dad is a, a guy by the name of Sherman Smith. And I swear, man, I, Candy I was blown, blown away, man. Completely wow. blown away. So, wow. so it, it's still, it's still, I almost, I actually, the first time I saw it, like there was a tear in my eye, man. I was like, holy cow. Like I just, just my, my I, I had to replay it. Actually told my wife, Kristen, I'm like, you got to see this. This is, this is the most crazy story. I kept trying to think in my head. I've tried to put odds on this thing of, how 
like the odds of this, right? I mean, it's just insane. Because I mean, he didn't know. I mean, no one knew. You had to reach out to him, your coach, Candy Apple Red. In all hindsight, he probably was pulling up in that Candy Apple Red to make sure you were in class. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, kidding. He, yeah, he, he, you know, he, he was, he had no, obviously he didn't know anything. Um, you know, and just all of the times, you're talking about at Miami. Like I had a poster board up in my room at Miami and it had like my football, like high school clips on there. And then it had a picture of me and my dad um, when I went for my visit. And guys would come in my room, like who weren't on the team, like that's your dad. I'm like, nah, man, that's my running back coach. And the ongoing joke when I was at Miami was, hey, man, you look like Coach Smith. You know, then I did an internship. I know we, 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 we had time things, situation. I did an internship um, in 2014, I think. I think it was um, at Seattle when my dad was a running back coach there. Again, I don't know if he's my dad. We're doing this whole thing. I'm interning there doing all the running back stuff, all the I mean, coaches and players are like, man, we watching you guys from across the field. Something ain't right here. man. <laughs> y'all guys walking the same, pointing the same, just y'all sound the same, you know? So there was so many things that, you know, let kind of led up to this and you had no clue, none, none. I mean, it was, there was no, not a time that I thought, man, you know what? Coach Smith, my, I never thought that. Right. Man. Just across 28 this, years. It's incredible. So yeah, that's awesome. man. Um, we jump into rapid fire. Yeah. And well, I just think to just, something we talked about before there's a lot of things so someone that's engaging with your story and inspired by that and i think there's a lot of people they're engaging in our platform being the underdog and looking for inspiration like yourself so i think your journey that we learned even more in depth today but there is things coming out that are um, going to add more to more into this uh as you had mentioned like what could uh let's see here show me show me the father there's a series coming out uh there's some other things that might be coming out can you kind of touch upon if people want to to learn about that, I know we'll, we'll kind of let them engage with your social platforms, but can you touch upon the the future of your story? Yeah, there, there's going to be, um, and I wish I, I the names of the, the guys who do it, it's, it's the something brothers. God, I know they did um, like um, all these different um, um, Christian based movies and different mm-hmm. things like that. So there's a series that's coming out. It's called Show Me the Father. It'll be in two, 2021 that that's coming out. Then the move a full blast movie, like full blast movie movie, um, will be coming out um, probably like in 22, 23 at the latest. Then there'll be a book um, that'll be that'll, that'll tie in with the movie um, that'll be coming out. So there's there's some things that's going to be coming out here in the near future. Um, that's in works right now that I'm we that I'm real excited about. Love it, love it. Can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> That's all I can say. I know I've said awesome a million times, but this episode is straight that. My wife, more. my wife doesn't watch sports, and even when I mentioned to her that you know you we were going to be having you on the show, and I think we looked at your story last year, like she instantly lit up. She's like, "Oh my god!" Like I remember that. So yeah, man, you're definitely an inspiration in in everything you're doing. Um, so jump into some rapid fire. Uh-huh. I don't think they're too hot. Uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe your answers we can spark it a little bit more, but we'll. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> First question. So you do have four sons. Um, obviously, the three-year-old, we will, we'll, we'll exclude him from this race. But uh, right. who wins in a 100-meter dash between you and your sons? Between me and my sons? Yes. Win right now? Yes. All right, let's say, no, uh, let's go with your prime. Let's go with your prime. Yeah, because oh, we know who would win right now. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I, yeah, I'll take it to the mouth right now. <laughs> oh, and, and, oh, and my prime, oh, my prime, I Oh, okay. Right okay. Okay. But if you're talking about at the, at the ages that they're at, 
Um, they fastered him. Really? If you took me as a freshman, my freshman son would beat me. If you took me as a sophomore, my sophomore son would destroy me. If you took me as a freshman in college, you know, I think my my oldest we'd have that'd be a good race right there. Yeah. And, and quick <laughs> shout be, out. That'd, that'd be a good yeah, one. quick shout out to some of the boys uh dealing the seconds on our Miami Redhawks. So appreciate him. And then Dasan, I think I said that right, is uh the has the most offers in the country. So I we talked before. I mean, if I have any genes for, for my two boys that McCullough's have I mean, I, I just want, hey, I'll be happy with like division two, three, one double A. No doubt. This guy's got, well, that's what I was thinking about. The crazy thing is, what if he could talk uh, his dad, Coach Smith, back into coaching and Dylan's in there and he's got his four sons? That could be like the McCullough that's a stable, dynasty. That's a, that's a stable of athletes. You know what yeah. I mean? That could be no an crazy story in itself. Speaking of that, for question two, um, do you think you're ready to be a head coach in the NFL or college right now? Yeah, I think I'm ready to be a head coach. Awesome. Yeah, I, I I really do believe that. I mean, I just simply because of knowing how to um, organize, I know the vision that I would have. Um, I know the type of people that I want around me. Um, you know, and the thing is, just like when I was a principal, I know how to, I know the people and and how the vision that I want to and how I want to formulate that and the right people to get to make that vision happen. So, yeah, I would be more of a CEO type guy, you know, but. Um, you know, I, yeah, yes, I, I feel like I'm ready. And and I think anyone, the no regrets, I think my my man is ready ready to rock because you have no regrets. And obviously, if you understand and learn the story, you know, you're a man on a mission and you got some passion and purpose. So I think you're ready to rock. Yeah, you'll be one one day. I'm, I'm confident, man. We're, we're in your corner for sure. Um, what would you say the greatest lesson your father has taught you over the 28 years uh, without, you know, you know, obviously with, with your relationship and how it was as, as an athlete and, and now knowing he's your father? Um, I think just staying focused. You know, I, I remember just hearing that from him a lot during this time with me at Miami, you know, when I kind of would go off the rails and, you know, and just kind of start feeling sorry for myself. I mean, his, his whole thing was staying focused. Now, little did I know that would transcend just – Hey, stay focused on what you're doing at Miami. It just made me stay focused, period. You know, and and then a lot of things spidered off from that, um, you know, that led me down the road that I'm in the path that I'm on right now. But that was the biggest thing is just staying focused. So we we reached out to some people. We know some people around you and we didn't get a lot of things. We had nothing, no dirt. So what what is something, what's your guilty pleasure? What's something like, because you, you have this thing, we couldn't find any weak spots. So what's a weak spot for you? Um. I don't know, man. I like, you know, I eat cookies a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what kind? You know, I, you, know, I'm, you know, I like lemon archway cookies, man. That's my thing right there. Okay. You know, lemon archways. But, um, you know, man, I don't know. I, mean, I like joking. I think, you know, the guys who've been around me, especially player-wise, you know, the persona is, man, this guy's always. And them guys who sit in my room, they're like, man, coach is the furthest thing from that. Even, even my sons. You know, my son's friends think, man, your dad is – Man, he's strict. Man, he's listening to him looking at this guy's like, man, you you have no clue. My dad, he's joking and dancing and laughing and crack, crack cracking jokes and stuff at home. He just don't do that in front of y'all, right? You know, you know. So those are some things, man, just kind of behind the scenes, you know. So I don't have this one written down. What um, what did you do after you guys won the Super Bowl? So you immediately you win the Super Bowl. What did you do the night 
that you guys won or, you know, because Urban Meyer, when they won a national championship, mentioned that he went back and started recruiting because he felt like we got to get better for next year. But what did you do when you <laughs> when you when he you wasn't got, recruiting when you got the title? <laughs> went to the after party. <laughs> there we, yeah. OK. OK. Me, there my, it is. Sons, my sons was with me. My, me, and my, me and my sons went to the after party, you know, and they loved that, man. Just kind of hanging out, and seeing that whole thing and just being around those guys. So that's what we did. You know, kind of hung out. And right now, currently speaking, his sons are at the Chiefs facility working out, getting an opportunity to be with the guys. So, that, like I said, man, that's, that's awesome. Actually, not, not, not at the facility. That's not, not, not at the facility. Not at the facility. Can't at, be at the facility. Yeah, you can't be at the they're facility. At, they're, at a high school. They're at a, lo- they're at a local high school. Yes, at a local high school. See, look, get, Calvin. Get, Calvin's get, trying to get you in trouble over there. They're not at the facility. Yes. They are not at the facility. One more time, they are not <laughs> at the facility. So, no. Um, no, Coach, man, again, appreciate you taking some time to connect with us. Uh, you know, you're, you're a great guy. You know, you come off intense. I love watching your drills and stuff on, and videos on online just to see the passion that you have. And it's not a, you know, it's no secret as to why you've been able to rise the ranks, you know, in, you know, since 2011 when you got into the college game and, you know, now you're a Super Bowl champion. Ultimately, we know that's not your end goal. And there's so much more lined up for you. And you, and you, you keep the focus and what you've got going. You know, I think you're going to achieve great things and being an inspiration with your story, uh, you know, can't say enough about it, man. So definitely appreciate your time, man. No, I, I appreciate it, man. And I mean, you guys are doing a first class job, you know, looking forward to seeing, you know, the, the finished product, but man, you made it easy and keep on doing what you're doing. That's great. And how can uh, anyone engage uh, Twitter online? I don't know what other platforms. Yeah. But... On Twitter, I'm coach DMC. Yeah, is that for Run DMC? You got that? Then it, it's just dealing. I don't know, man. Like Coach, Coach DMC. That's you great. Know? So that's that, that's what I've been rolling with. Coach. After, so. Well, Coach thanks DMC. again. Um, I know I, I got better by interacting with you myself and learning, engaging your story and uh, the additional th- stuff we we unveiled today, and and uh, look forward to, as Calvin said, following you and and we're here to support you. So thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.